Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of A Millennial Mind. Today I'm really excited to introduce you all to Lauren, the founder of Oatsy. So hi Lauren, how are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks so much. Really excited to be here, Shivani. I'm super excited to talk to you as well. I was just, um, I just got a message from Tanya because you uploaded a story and mm. she was like, I'm so happy you guys are connected. And I just thought, oh. so amazing how social media just brings people together and you just learn so much from one another just by tagging someone in a post. I know, so, right? um, really small world, but really excited to be here. So for people who don't really know anything about you or about Otsu, just tell us a little bit about you and your brand. Sure. So we help people get the most out of their morning through our plant-based, gut-friendly overnight oat breakfast pots that I'm currently producing myself with my team in our kitchen. And we send them out to customers across the UK, as well as to coffee shops, co-working space, grocers. And we're in talks with a number of retailers at the moment about launching into supermarkets and onto platforms like Uber Eats, which is really exciting. Wow. Um, And yeah, the reason I started Otsu is because I was working in Canary Wharf previously and would just struggle to find any plant-based breakfast for myself that I'd enjoy that were filling and affordable and basically that were as good as the ones that I was making myself. So I'd make my own overnight oats. And for people who aren't familiar with overnight oats, they are um, oats soaked in oat milk and you can add seeds, nuts, peanut butter, fruit to them, jazz them up. Um, They're an amazing, amazing breakfast. Um, Mm -hmm. At the moment, they're something that people have to make themselves, um, which can be time consuming and the shelf life might not be that great on the ones you make yourself. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see them available in supermarkets. I could see a gap in the market for that product and I could see that they were uh, getting more and more popular and available in supermarkets in America already. And I thought it was only a matter of time before they come over to the UK. And That's I thought amazing. that was to start now, a business here. This may be a stupid question, but I can't, I don't understand how the process would work. So let's say, for example, I think a lot of people that are listening and watching this are probably thinking, well, I have a great idea around food, Mm -hmm. but how on earth do I take it to market? Like, if you ask me right now, how would I take my mum's food, let's say, for example, which I think is amazing, um, but how would you, what's the process with food? Because it's really easy to, I guess, make something at home and take it into work, but actually building a business where you're sharing your idea 
with so many people, you're actually making the, this product yourself at home, I presume is where you started. Mm. How, how do you actually get that into market? Isn't there a lot of regulation? What, what's the process? So there's actually less regulation than I expected. Um, there are certain things you need to follow though. So okay. you do need to get your kitchen checked by your local council and the environmental health officer there will come and like look at your practices and check that you've got like a risk plan so that if anything was to go wrong along your supply chain that you've got a solution planned for that. Um, and yeah, they came and checked ours. We managed to get a five-star food hygiene rating, which is great. Mm-hmm. And then you need to get a uh, like a certificate to show that you've kind of studied about food hygiene as well, which you can do yourself online. And then after that, you're essentially good to go. Um, the kitchen, yeah, they do come and check your kitchen like regularly. Um, so you've got to be prepared for that. And mm-hmm. when you get when you get to supermarkets or wanting to supply supermarkets, you may need to get additional accreditation so that's right. called salsa and then if you want to go to a manufacturer there's like another level up called brc that you'd need to get and different right. levels of supermarkets require different um, accreditations basically but okay. if you do want to just start at home and sell through your online store you'll just need to get your um you just need to get your kitchen checked basically and get your certificates which you can do quite easily amazing i mean i think it's so incredible how you were working in a corporate job and then you just decided you wanted to do this. What made you switch? And were you doing both at once or did you just suddenly make the decision? No, so I, before this, I spent four and a half years working in finance, mm-hmm. more on the marketing side. So after uni, I went along the path of applying to loads of grad schemes, like a lot of other friends yeah. were doing, yeah. <laughs> as you can probably relate, and um, got into a grad scheme at Fidelity, which is an asset management firm. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was great because it was quite a broad and general one and we could do all different types of roles. I found the marketing roles the most exciting rather than finance. So kind of finished the program there, got the chance to work for nine, 10 months in Hong Kong, which was amazing. Absolutely loved the place. Um, And I had the idea in my mind that for some reason I had a gut feeling that working in marketing and social media was mm-hmm. going to be the most like useful place to be because I knew that those skills were transferable to whatever industry I did go into. Um, finance is very like well paid, but it's it definitely wasn't the most exciting product to be marketing. Definitely. Um, and I had my eye on working in a food startup specifically. At the time, I was going to show, like kind of trade shows and food events, and I saw some of the teams that were sharing samples there right and it just looked like such a fun environment with like young a very young vibe and I yeah I loved plant-based food I'd actually switched to a plant-based diet while I was working in Hong Kong right Um, and just felt like yeah felt amazing was super passionate about plant-based food um, and just actually thought about joining a food startup but didn't see any roles that were going at the time and then I had the idea for the overnight oats because I was making overnight oats in the office but just couldn't see any in stores. And mm-hmm. I thought, if I can't see a role that I want to move into in another industry now, I should just take the leap and like give it a go and see if this business can take off. And I thought I'll give myself like a year or two and see how it goes. And if I need wow. to, I can always go back into another full-time role. That is incredibly brave. And I think a lot of people at the moment are making that switch from actually thinking, well, I'm not enjoying my corporate role. There's not something out there for me and I have an idea and I want to actually execute on that and take the leap. 
the thing is it's so hard to actually do that because obviously naturally when you've worked for an employer for so long you have the stability the safety and that kind of net there but actually when you take that leap to work for yourself you don't have any of that you know every day is so different it's completely inconsistent with your income coming in you know some days you will have no income coming in some days you will have loads of income coming in you know I'm facing that with the performance planner at the moment it's very up and down and it can be quite challenging to actually think well maybe it's better if I stay in my role and I just do this do this on the side how come you decided to give yourself one or two years what why that time I thought that was a good amount of time to test out the concept and see mm -hmm. if customers were resonating with it. But I had in my mind that I would be able to secure a manufacturer and get the product listed in supermarkets within like six months. And it's right. actually been nearly two years now and I've only just found someone. And I actually found out that the plan is going to be delayed a little bit and these things just come up and things get right. pushed, pushed back. It takes way longer to sort like your whole supply chain out than I expected. And people said that it takes more time and more money than you ever think, but it really is true, but it's fine. It definitely hasn't been a waste of the last two years. It's been incredible. And I think doing it myself and making products myself, marketing myself um, and keeping it lean and keeping it like smaller scale as I mm -hmm. learn the ropes has been like really valuable. Um, and the journey ahead, initially I thought like, I'm going to know exactly where I stand within two years, yeah. but I literally still feel like I'm right at the beginning of my journey now, two years in, and it's going to probably be another like seven to 10 years for me, kind of while I grow to the level that I want to be at. It's, it's amazing how you're just so positive about it. And I think you've been so resilient and you've also understood that, you know, things take a lot longer than you initially set out. So there's expectations that I think some people hold when they start their own business, naturally break and that obviously leads them to moving away from that. What I find really hard is coming from an Indian background, you know, one of the things that we are taught is that you should have a stable income, uh, a good job, like a corporate job. How have you managed in terms of, you've obviously started this yourself, like, I'm presuming you've invested into this yourself as well. Did you have any pushback from your family or friends that were saying, well, how are you going to make any money? How are you going to survive? So yeah, I have, I did invest a little bit and fortunately I was able to like save some money from my last job and put that aside as like an emergency fund that I've been living off. And I thought I could launch into supermarkets super quickly, but I also thought that I'd be able to pay myself a salary, but it's actually much harder to do than you think because there are so many things that you want to invest in. You've got to market your products, all the equipment and ingredients and packaging um, mm -hmm. taking on staff there's just so much that you want to do before you can think about paying yourself yeah, so I would say to anyone looking to start a business that they either need to factor in how they're going to pay themselves from the revenue and the profits from the business or um, ideally you can save up like a little savings pot for yourself that you can live off of um, I was very lucky to be able to move back in with my mum so moved out of my rented flat and moved back home, which really, really helped. And I didn't think I'd be able to yeah. do this without that. Um, and I do recognize that being able to do that comes from a place of privilege. Yeah. And so it isn't necessarily like an equal playing field, um, an opportunity to be able to do this. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, as I said, it's definitely taken a lot longer than I expected. And I think it's, it's probably the same if you speak to any entrepreneur. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting that you're saying, you know, for the next for the last two years, you haven't been able to really pay yourself a salary. Mm -hmm. And that's not really 
detrimental for you, you're still going for it, right? You've just said in the beginning, you've still got another seven to 10 years. Going back to our parents' generation, that would be something that they would think is ludicrous, right? They would think, how on earth can you want to do something where you're not going to get paid for it? And I think our generation are driven by passion and they're driven, they're finding meaning in the work that they do. And what we're seeing with the Great Resignation is, you know, four million people quit their job in the US and one in four in the UK are looking to quit their job or they have quit their job. You know, why do you think millennials are so focused on purpose-driven work? I think that I found in my experience, I was looking to align like my career choice and Mm -hmm. who I worked for with my purpose more. And I did Mm -hmm. feel like I quickly went into like a corporate job because it was just the done thing without necessarily looking at the values of the business that I was moving into. And when I moved from Fidelity to um, HSBC, with it being a much larger bank, there's about 10,000 people in the building that I was in in Canary Wharf. It did feel a little bit soulless. And Mm. it was, yeah, making that transition that I really had to question, like, what am I doing here? Do I really want to work here? I just felt like Mm -hmm. such a small part in such a huge place. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, as I mentioned, I was either looking to join a startup that aligned with my values. And when I couldn't find that opportunity, I just thought I need to try and do it myself and build it from the ground up. Um, And probably a lot of people listening can resonate with like needing or wanting to work somewhere that aligns with your values and your mission and your beliefs and because we're spending so much of our time in our day at work I think it is really important but I understand that it's not accessible for everyone to be able to work without a salary yeah absolutely and I think the biggest difference I'm seeing between generations is we are so privileged you know we all um, have progressed more than our parents have so naturally our priorities are a little bit different so my parents priorities were very much about surviving and ours are very much about thriving. So we're yeah. very much about, you know, am I happy at work? Am I enjoying it? Do my values align? Um, do I understand the purpose of what I'm doing? Or am I just a number? And I think we're constantly fed through social media how we are just a number at work. And so if you aren't feeling, if you are feeling like that, then obviously you naturally you're going to think, second guess that and think, I can actually do something where I matter. And I think something I've noticed as well is that the older generation very much think we'll work hard and then we'll enjoy. Yeah. And I think we're pushed the message to enjoy what you're doing now and then you can enjoy your life later. So I think it's all about at the moment we're looking for purpose and passion with anything that we do whilst our parents' generation were really just around survival. So there is a shift in terms of what we want from our work. Yeah. Especially, like you say, if we're, we're there all day. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, so, how did you manage from being in a corporate job to then being an entrepreneur? Because I think they're both very different things. You know, when you're in a corporate job, like I said, you have that safety and security, not only with uh, your salary and your benefits and all those things, but actually with the work that you're doing. You know, someone's actually telling you what you need to do. Your goals are aligned with someone else's. You can get advice. You can ask people in different departments. You've actually got access to people with several skills that you just need to hone in on. Mm. Whilst when you're starting a business by yourself, you're kind of a bit isolated and a little bit alone. So how did you make that transition? I completely agree. And it can be challenging when you are completely by yourself. Um, I've also taken on a couple of team members in the last few months, which has been amazing. But organising things like payroll and just 
getting set up on our accounting software, there are so many things that aren't my area of expertise. Um, yeah. And you have to lean quite heavily on mentors and advisors. And I've been fortunate to be mentored by the founder of a business who used the same manufacturer as us, um, okay. which has been super helpful. And mm-hmm. met another guy who was a salesperson in a bakery um, who I just met at a brunch festival who was mm-hmm. on his hand and we just happened to connect and he was really positive about our journey. So I think you do just meet people at events if you go to enough events and speak to enough people mm-hmm. and then just literally doing so much research, Googling so much, yeah. Googling so much, that's what you've got to do because there isn't necessarily someone to manage your mm. manage your tasks and then you've also got to manage your time really well as well. And I think it can there can be times when in a week you barely have any time to chill out or do any exercise mm-hmm. prep any meals see friends and it can be tough you feel like you're just working mm-hmm. constantly especially if you are a solo founder but I think mm-hmm. it's really important to set aside time in your calendar and try and schedule in time for all of those things because they're all so important to keep up um, I try and like walk to the station where I can if I'm heading to the co-working space that I work at just to get some steps in otherwise the time can just kind of go I feel and when I was working in the office in my last job Mm -hmm. um even though I felt like I was working super hard I did finish by about seven and then I had the rest of the evening off and I didn't think about anything but as an entrepreneur you've like always got millions of problems kind of running through your mind on the weekend in the evenings and that Mm -hmm. is that is a bit of a switch it's definitely harder to switch off I think and how do you manage your time what are some of the things that you make sure that you do every week so I schedule in exercise. So I really like going to the gym, um, doing boxing or like a hit class, mm-hmm. doing yoga. I went to last night. So I'm trying to finish earlier. I do like to start a little bit later and then finish a little bit later. I find that works best for me. Um, okay. And then I fit my exercise in either before I start my work day or in the evening. Um, but yeah, I've got to be quite organized. I've got to like check what I'm doing and like when. And I try on a Sunday to look through my calendar and see where meetings and calls are and then literally put like an hour for exercise a few times a week in so that I do that and then try and go for like a short walk here and there, even if I've only got 15 minutes in the middle of the day. Yeah, I think time blocking is the greatest tool ever. And, I, and in the performance planner, that's the main reason I put it in because it's so essential to actually know when you're going to complete your tasks and you have essential things you need to do every single day and then non-important things that you can move to another day. But unless you have visibility of that, you just feel like you're doing a million things at once. So time blocking is definitely a hack that I use every single day and I think it's so important. You mentioned previously about networking and I know a lot of people that are listening and watching this are thinking, how on earth do I network? You know, I've struggled with this as well. When you're working in a corporate role, I think you're naturally pushed to network because you have so many events. But when you're an entrepreneur, it's quite scary and and it's quite difficult to find out which events to go to and and what's kind of worth your while. So what are some of your tips around that? I'd say sign up to industry-related communities. So for food and drink, that would be something like Bread and Jam, where they have an annual conference where they bring together food startup founders. And that's a great place to meet people. Um, Enterprise Nation has also been really supportive. So they support entrepreneurs from all different industries. Um, they've yeah interviewed us. We've had kind of we've been partnered with um, a, a newspaper. Um, We've kind of got press out of it, which is amazing. 
Um, and then I also set up my own community with a friend over lockdown mm-hmm. for food startup founders, about 30 of us, because I was recognizing oh, wow. that different people that I was speaking to were all feeling a bit lonely and isolated. And we yeah. we wanted a group that we could ask questions to. So we got together on a weekly call and we still have a WhatsApp group now that's quite active. And that's been super amazing. helpful just for asking quick questions and supporting each other. That's amazing. I've also recently signed up to something called Lunch Club. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. So it's lunchclub.com, I think. Mm. Um, and you basically get paired up with someone and then you meet with them. And they could be an entrepreneur, a founder, marketing specialist, sales specialist, whatever they are. Um, And you can kind of filter. They'll give you 20 people to choose from every day and who you'd kind of want to set a meeting with. And then they'll just set one up for you randomly. So you pick three random times in the week. Mm. And they'll pay you up with someone. And it's so nice. You just meet so many different people from different backgrounds. And actually, it's been really helpful for me because I met a marketing specialist on there. And I had no idea how to market my product. Mm -hmm. And he's really helped me. So it's a really great club for people who are interested as well. Yeah, it's an amazing way. it's completely free, by the way. Oh, amazing. That's so good. (laughs) Yeah, it's super good. So one of the biggest misconceptions I think there are with entrepreneurs is people say, you love what you do. You know, Uh, I've just said with the great resignation, people are quitting their jobs because they want to find something that they're passionate about. And something that they enjoy every day and something that they love. And in a corporate job, you can just feel like you're on a hamster wheel. But do you love what you do every single day? Or is that just something people say? I go up and down, honestly. And I think that a lot of the downs and the lows aren't portrayed or communicated that well across social media. And unless you're like friends with a lot of founders and you hear their lows, um, yeah. you can you can definitely think from the glossy exterior of social media that everything's going super well and positive and even I um even I probably do share like mostly positives and like achievements Mm -hmm. on stories because I guess you don't I don't feel like I want to be you know kind of moaning on my stories or anything or seeming ungrateful um but they're definitely behind the scenes are so many ups and downs and it definitely is like a roller coaster so I think it's really important to have like a support network um, of a partner and friends and ideally startup founders or people doing something similar to you that understand what you're going through. Yeah, you can absolutely. lean on um, so that you so that you aren't super isolated. And I find even just coming into a co-working space, seeing my team day to day is just super helpful. Um, I don't really absolutely. like just working completely by myself. I think it's really hard, actually, because people who share difficult days are often penalized for being attention seekers or, like you just said, ungrateful or, you know, it's really hard because when you're sharing bad moments, people will judge you for them anyway. Instagram is a platform you're actually meant to just share things that you think will be, well, some people think you're, they want to only share things that can be helpful for other people. Mm-hmm. And so I've actually been following a few people recently and they've been saying, well, my life isn't so great. My life isn't always amazing, but actually I only want to share things that I think are going to provide value for you. And those things that are going to provide value for you are the things that I post when I'm happy. When I'm sad, I don't want to post about something I've learned or something I've done or something that uh, I've done well. Do you know what I mean? So it's really difficult to find that balance because we're almost trying to move away from society where you're sharing only your good moments and your highlight reels. But actually what happens when you do share those negative moments is people criticize you for them. So mm. I think it's quite hard on social media on how to find that right balance. I just try to try and be authentic. Um, 
and share when I'm having a bad day. But I know some people are just like, why are you sharing that? We don't, we don't care. Yeah, but I personally like watching when someone is being completely real and authentic and sharing exactly like what is happening, if that is like a low moment. Um, mm. Though, having said that, I tend to find engagement is like best, obviously when you've got something positive to share and everyone's like, congrats, but you never know actually how sharing something honestly that has gone poorly for you and not as planned actually might help someone. They might not reach out and tell you, but they might really appreciate it. So I do think it, Absolutely. I think it is important to be transparent. And what are some of the hardest parts of your journey? So I think one of the hardest um, or lowest moments that actually came up quite recently was just a few days ago. Um, I had plans with a manufacturer to go ahead with um, production, but that's actually been paused because they're putting a pause on the new innovation and the new product development that they're doing. And that's pushed back some of our plans and our plans to launch with a retailer coming up. Um, but I've been kind of working away behind the scenes and speaking to different founders um, to try and work out what I can do and trying to think of a plan B and a plan C. Um, and I've communicated right. the new plan to them and they're all good with that. So that's great. But it can be, I guess, I've learned from that not necessarily to put all your eggs in one basket and into one plan and to try and have a backup plan in case that goes wrong and nothing is secured until it's in writing and even at that point something could go wrong. But I think that's inevitable when you're in a business, you're always relying on third parties to carry out really important tasks for you and you do get used to it, Absolutely. but you've just got to be kind of quick to pivot. And I'd say another another like challenge that we have discussed is like the financial one and um, perhaps mm. thinking that I'd be able to be remunerated fairly soon but actually realizing that I want to invest that money into other things in the business and that having a knock-on yeah. effect on mm. some like plans that I want to have in my life so um, previously being able to like rent an apartment and not thinking too much of it and then now that being um, a bit more difficult I definitely have to think through if I can mm. like really afford to do that um, it's something that I want to do with my boyfriend and it can be a bit frustrating that I can't necessarily have the freedom and do exactly what I want to do in my life um, but I think it's like worth the sacrifice for the moment um, absolutely and I think a lot of founders have said that as well when I've spoken to them throughout the season is you know if you think you're going to take money out of the business straight away think yeah. again it's just it never happens you should be investing that money back into the business especially if you're building an incredible brand which you are so um, I have no doubt that soon you'll be able to do that and you'll be able to be a bit more free in terms of what you want to do. But what's the one piece of advice you'd give to any entrepreneurs or anyone who's looking to start their own business? I would say take your product out to market. If you can get to a food market, if you're making a food and drink product, then do get customers feedback on it, share it with friends and family and actually note down what they said. Um, yeah. yeah, and your first customers that do purchase your product um, paid definitely ask them for feedback positive and negative continue to refine and set aside time to refine your product and um, I actually started selling through Instagram so even before I had set up an online store through Shopify um, I just made my products available once I'd got my kitchen checked and just yeah I was taking orders through Instagram literally and people were ordering through there so that can be done um, but it's also quick it's super quick to set up an online store and you can test through that direct-to-consumer channel, like how it's going, just be very agile and um, just continue continue innovating. 
that's the amazing thing I think about social media is you can just trial something, you can test it, and if it works, you can then think about, do I need a website, do I need a kitchen, do I need an office, whatever it may be. You can actually just test your idea straight through there and just see if it works, and for you it did. So I wish you all the success, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, and hopefully we'll get, get to meet each other one yeah, day. Yeah, that would be absolutely amazing. Thanks so much for having me. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you.